Hey everybody, welcome to the Faith Church Podcast. I am your host, Jay Williams. Joining me today is Jeff Clossy. Hey Jay, good morning. Good morning. Happy Thanksgiving week. It is Thanksgiving week. Yeah. It's also hunting week. It is. Yeah, I, w- I went for a bike ride yesterday morning and um, didn't hear a lot of shots. Did see some deer hanging in driveways, which is, you know, exciting and a little grim, but you weren't riding by and you see this animal, you know, strung up. But there were, I did see one guy in blaze orange walking with a rifle when um, he was carrying it safely, which was good to see. What would you have done if he wasn't? Did you stop and Just say, sir, pedal a little, me, sir? Pedal a little harder. Yeah, that's brave of you to do that. I, I tell you what, I think for people in other parts of the country, just to hear what you said and, and to see what you see going around, it would feel really strange. Yeah, it's just part of our life here. Yeah. It's just part of it. I mean, I grew up in Iowa. There's a lot of hunting, but I wouldn't, I don't recall deer just being, you know, strung up in people's is it driveways. Is it like here? Like, did you experience where, where, Everyone's kind of the rhythm this week for a lot of people is very different. Uh, yeah, definitely in smaller towns. Okay, I mean, I think it'd be similar to Wisconsin. Like my guess is that a lot of a lot of kids who are in Madison or in suburban Milwaukee don't have mm-hmm. the same experience as as people here. So I think it's just not you know what's different is that this is the place that people come to hunt. It right? is so like you're saying down by your house or all these trucks parked on the side of the road. Um, people shooting out the windows. Just kidding. Yeah. No, no, they're not doing that. Well, it's funny. It's like uh, you know, knowing the neighborhood, walking and biking, biking in it. There's a lot of these old farmhouses that are empty except for this week. It's the only week that they're used all year. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a that's a thing. I remember my first my first hunters week, like deer season week, um, rifle season. I guess you got to be specific. But mm-hmm. that uh, when I was first here. And I remember getting up early on Sunday morning, was sitting there just prepping and spending time with God, and I heard a big gunshot, like right at the crack of dawn, basically. And I, my instincts, because I'd moved from a part of Denver where it was not unusual to hear gunshots, but I realized that my instinct was, oh, gunshot, and then I was waiting, and I realized, oh, I'm waiting for the sirens. Like, usually, yes, I would... That's that's what would follow a gunshot when I would you know hear gunshots at my house in Aurora, but here yeah, <laughs> there's no sirens. It was like oh, I wonder I wonder if they just got a deer. Yeah, and I've been getting. I I think people are having some success this year too. From what Seems I've been like hearing, it. yeah. I mean, course, that had to Facebook, be Facebook would never lie to me. No, no, it would not. So, Saturday must have been one of the nicer set opening Saturdays for Wisconsin, like ever. I mean, yeah, that was mild yeah. and not snowing. And I don't know if that's better or worse for deer hunting. I think it depends on who you talk to, right? But people seem to have have success that day, so the deer were definitely moving. We had a buck, and we had a buck out here. Yeah, we did. It, like, what day was that last week? Oh, it's just a couple. I know days. we got Jane. I got here, looked out the window, and I'm like yelling jay look out the window right by our cars in the parking lot here there was a buck just yeah. walking through no big deal 28 point yeah <laughs> at least 28 <laughs> giant like stabbed our cars <laughs> like a forklift so we ran out go. the door and tried to wrestle it to the ground yeah. with our bare hands yeah couldn't because that's real hunting yeah i've always said like man if i could if i could take a buck down just barehanded you know okay now i'm uh-huh that's a that's a that's a hunting story topper right there if i did that What'd you get him with? My hands. My hands. Chokehold. Did you, you hear just one other hunting thing? Did you hear that there was someone in Wisconsin who had been stalked by a mountain lion this last week and had to use his bow to defend himself? No, oh, really? That to me is that ups the uh intensity. That's scary. So I've always It was in Buffalo County or yeah. something. So I've always said that when when people say so, okay. I hate ticks. Everybody hates ticks. I don't know anybody that likes ticks unless you study them and it's like your livelihood. But they really, they freak me out. And so that's what I hate most about going off in the woods. I think it's one of the reasons why I love winter. Not that they're not, you know, that there aren't any. Like they, that, A lot less it's, common. It's way less common. Right. And so um, I, I've said before that the reason, I, like when I would hike in Colorado, 
people would say like, well, yeah, but in Colorado, you have like rattlesnakes and bears and that kind of thing. And, and I've said before that I don't, I would rather deal with rattlesnakes and bears because I've never, when I was in Colorado, if I went hiking, I never came home from a hike wondering if I got bit by a bear. <laughs> never. But with ticks, like it's like lazy, it's in your head for quite a while. Like, did I wait? Is that was that a tick? Whatever, like that. Never with a rattlesnake. Never did I think like. Ah, I wonder I if think I, got, I feel one right now. Yeah, I wonder if I got bit by a rattlesnake. <laughs> so the one exception to that rule, though, is our mountain lions. Yeah. Because I'm telling you, if you think a mountain lion is around you, that is terrifying. Because yeah. mountain lions, they're gonna stalk you, and once they decide that you're their prey, they are not. They're not letting up. Well, from what I read, this was a stalking situation. Yeah. I mean, the ble- I just it was a blurb, so I could yeah. have that wrong. But I was thinking, man, that is not something you're sitting up in a tree that you want to see going around and around you. Like, no, that's pretty intense. It is. I've it never is. seen. Have you seen one before? Mm-hmm. I've never seen one in the wild. Like, yeah, that. we had them in Southern California when I lived there. We oh. had them there, and then they'll be in, the, in Colorado. I've seen. But they, um, I've never been stalked by one and I've never been in, I've never seen one where I felt like I was in danger. Um, so that's, that is definitely like, that is a legitimate animal that I, I mean, probably a grizzly, but grizzlies are pretty, they weren't in Colorado. So I didn't, I was never really worried about that, but there you go. So yeah, mountain lions. Did he get arrested or ticketed for shooting a mountain lion? It sounds like they the DNR did an investigation and, and it was okay. Like he he yeah. was justified in what he did. I think if you see one like that's not running away from you, it's probably not a good situation. Like if you're up in a tree and they're circling, like they don't normally do that, especially around here. Like goodness. Well, I mean, they do. Like I said, they do when they think you're prey. And that's once, what I mean. Like, yeah. That's once like, they've determined that's not it's not that unusual. I mean, they are. Those things are. It's like, you know, as opposed to like a brown bear, brown bears and, and black bears, like non-grizzlies, but black bears, they're they're scaredy cats. Like they don't- Put your I, arms up in the air and yell. Yeah, they don't want to have anything to do with you most of the time. But if you find one that does, that for whatever reason sees you as food, then you're in trouble. It's just way more rare. Whereas like um, with a mountain lion, all they, all they have to do is think they can take you. Hmm. for whatever reason like across the street from our when i lived in southern california there was an attack across the street from us and there's like a uh, like a county park kind of wilderness park area right across the street from us and it was just someone was biking and she um they think like they reconstructed it and she had bent down to change a flat Hmm. well they didn't have to reconstruct she survived that one, she survived. There was another one that didn't. And both of them were bent down to change a flat. And so the mountain lion sees you and thinks like, hey, I can attack you. Which rather reminds me of the sermon because of the warning to the rich is similar to the warning to mountain lions. Mm, I see what you did there. Yeah. Well, I needed to because I just looked at the clock. Do you know how long we talked about mountain lions? I, and I got lost in it. Hunting? How long? Eight minutes. Perfect. Eight. <laughs> People think that we just ramble for a long time. I'm typically shooting for three to four minutes of nonsense to like ramp us up, but I just looked at it. I was like, oh my gosh. It gives you guys, Eight everyone, minutes. a little insight into how this thing unfolds. This is just, this is not scripted. No. Or is it? And we're just amazing at <laughs> acting and we're really writing. that amazing. Or we're bad at writing and good at acting. That's what it would be. Um, so, James, the beginning of James to, 5, right? Yeah. So yeah, James I was, just won't let up. James, the man is intense. He is intense, man. I this passage. So this is if people don't remember, this was supposed to be point three of a sermon a couple of weeks ago, but I just thought, and and it was a much shorter version. So if someone's thinking, oh my goodness, I'm glad you didn't make that point three. Like, well, I definitely expanded it when we were going into its own sermon, but, um, but I just thought, man. Every culture has cultural sin, right? We talk about this a lot. Like every culture has blind spots, ways in which we have um, meshed our cultural worldview with the gospel, and and we don't even see it most of the time. If if we're if you're raised in it and it's what all you've ever known, you don't even realize that there are things that have kind of meshed together, that things have crept in that are not actually biblical. And it really stands out when you go into another country and another culture, and it's easy to see that because that's different to you. That's kind of is like, oh wow, like wow, how do you, 
how do you go how do you get away with doing that or why would you think that was okay biblically and we tend to think i mean every culture thinks this but especially i find the western culture but especially our country thinks that oh, we're the exception to that rule that yeah every other culture has those kinds of cultural blind spots where things are normal that hmm. that according to scripture they would not be normal like um places where infidelity is normal and we would say that's not yeah, normal. a mistress or something yeah like having a mistress or um places where uh you know substance substance abuse for children like things that are just oh yeah that's just what happens that's just normal and we would say like mm, that's not um and for us there's there are several but the biggest one that i think is just so uh so clearly a cultural blind spot for us is consumerism and money and just like greed greed yeah. like we just it's it's just what happens you know like it's so easy for us to look at for example if you think of somebody um like even we have a term like trust fund baby if you think of somebody that grew up really like really wealthy didn't have to work hard for anything and however you view that person is pretty much how the developing world views us as a whole right like so when you think about like oh well that person the problem with them is they never had to work for anything well there are a lot of people in the across the globe who have to hike miles to get water and carry it back and they would look at us like just turning on a tap and getting clean water out of it and go like you never had to you've never had to work for that you know you just walk into a grocery store and and buy things and if you don't have cash for it you can get credit and like you can so we, the reality in the world is just that we are, we are in a wealthy culture. Now that doesn't mean that people don't struggle with poverty in our culture. They for sure do. And part of that is because the standard of living is so high that it just takes a lot more money to live in a place like the United States. Just like it takes more money to live in New York city mm -hmm. than it does in rural Montana. It just, it just takes more money. But, um, in our country, it takes a lot more money in the United States to survive than it does in the rest of the world. So it's a very complex and sticky wicket to try to unpack and untangle. But what I wanted to do was just say, okay, but we can't just dismiss what James says here and just says, oh, well, that's for Elon Musk. That's mm -hmm. for Jeff Bezos. Mm -hmm. That's for um, multi-million dollar athletes. That's not for me. And so it's very easy to just dismiss it out of hand and to say, that doesn't, that doesn't apply to me. But I think it does. I think we, we have to be mindful because as always, it's a heart issue, right? It's not, it's not about a dollar amount. James doesn't say, oh, and by rich, I mean this amount, you make this amount or more, or you have this much expendable income, or you have to, like, it just, it's a, it's a heart issue that he's going after. He is. And it, and you know, when you think about, the Sermon on the Mount that we walk through this year as well, we heard Jesus talking about it from another angle, right? And and again, getting at the heart. And there's something about money, and I think it's related to um, just indulgence in general, overindulgence. Um, you're, yeah, I think there's something that there's a hunger that never is satisfied. It's like if you wait until you feel like you have enough, you'll never have enough because that feeling won't come. There's something with the human heart that we need to master it or it will master us. Like and when I say that, I mean, by God's grace, we do that, not in our own human strength. But it's true. I mean, I, I, anecdotally, Tim Keller, you know, passed away, but famous pastor. I remember hearing a sermon he gave on this topic, and he said uh, they did like the seven deadly sins in their church, a series on it. It was like a special thing mm -hmm. where people could come. Mm -hmm. And the one on greed was the least attended, and his— his analysis was just like what you just said. It's like, it's not because people are afraid to hear about it. It's because we don't think it's an issue. Yeah. We just don't. And that's part of our blindness culturally, or we think it's someone else's issue, right? Like you said, um, the, the, the uber wealthy. Yeah. Well, which, I mean, I wish he, I wish he was still here. I mean, for a lot of reasons, yes. but I would, um, I would ask him, I would say, but are you sure about that? That it's not that, that they didn't want to hear because I think that's a way that we, when you start to get a feel for that, there's definitely, at least I know in my own heart, 
self-protection and mm. self-justification of like, yeah, I don't really want to hear what you have to say about that because I'm afraid because I feel pretty comfortable in the system that I've set up. I don't really want you to be pushing on that. Um, so I think it's probably both. I think that, that some people don't think it's an issue and other people just are like, I don't, I feel okay right now. I don't want to be made to feel guilty, which I think is sometimes where that can go. It's like, well, what do you do with the fact that we have these resources? And one of the points that I wish I would have made better, like I, I tried to say it, but it got a little lost. And it was just simply this. So he had those warnings, hoarding, extravagance, and injustice. And hoarding is is an element of fear, right? So we hoard because we're afraid of what might happen. We're extravagant because of desire. Like we want, um, we want things that will fulfill us. And so we, we go with extravagance and part of the, the, um, poetic beauty of that passage is demonstrating how when you are motivated by your selfish fears and your selfish desires, the result is going to be injustice for those around you because you don't, you're not, thinking about your neighbor, you're thinking about yourself. And that at its core becomes the the issue and how, because what will happen a lot of times is if there's a warning against hoarding, you know, building bigger barns or whatever, I often get the pushback of like, well, are you saying retirement is wrong? You know, are you saying savings is wrong? And like, again, you're going to a heart issue because saving is wise, hoarding is evil. Mm-hmm. So like, where is that a dollar amount in there? Is that a line? No, it's a it's a heart posture of am I trying to be a good steward to take care of my family or am I trying to make up for a fear that I have and try to be my own security for this? And whenever we get fixated on that, whenever we get fixated on protecting ourselves, if our primary interest is protecting myself from what I'm afraid of and um, satisfying myself with these desires that I have for in myself, then I'm going to not love my neighbor. I'm going to be apathetic towards them, which is going to lead to injustice. Because now, if I can find a loophole to not pay you for your work, well, I'm I'm going to not pay you for your work. Not even because I'm like looking at you and trying to intentionally oppress you, but because I'm so fixated on myself getting a good deal and me getting um, so that I can have more to save or more to buy other things that I just don't even pay attention, like your collateral damage, basically. And that's what I wish I would have mentioned a little bit more of saying that this is how this collateral damage. And so showing the picture of the all the waste of the the clothes and everything is like, we just don't even want to think about it, right? Like you just I, go to one of these stores or go online and buy whatever I want. And just, and then, and then if I don't like it, then, you know, it's only like four bucks. So then I just throw it away. And I don't even realize that it's it's actually harming somebody else because I'm just not even thinking about it. Yeah, that gets at some of the systemic evils with greed. You know, right. there are there are things that are you know the, the sum total or like when our when our sin combines into something much bigger than just one person's choice. You you got at some of that too when you were talking about you know not shopping on Thanksgiving so that because people shouldn't necessarily have to work all day on Thanksgiving. And it's interesting, growing up, my dad worked in retail. He was a manager of a store. And I remember what a big deal that was for our family when he had to be gone on on holidays when everyone else was off. But how not only did that happen, but how that increased over time. Like the expectation. So it used to be that we're closed on this day and now we're open because that's a big opportunity to make money. And it, it's not like we're heading in a direction where that's getting better. It's gotten worse for people. So that's one of the systemic things where people are in that. They don't have a lot of choice. They're not going to quit their job. And we've kind of all made this decision. Well, we're going to, we're going to shop on that day. You can also see it in things like um, health insurance. That's changed a lot. So when a, when a big corporate employer will let a person work up to an hour less than what they need to qualify oh, for yeah. health insurance, very intentionally, now, the managers of the stores have no control over that locally. That's a corporate decision, right? But that impacts lots and lots of families because now they don't have insurance. They don't have the things they need for their families. So it's that greed has a com- – I appreciate what you were just saying. So it has a compounding effect on those around us. 
And uh, some of the things to me, apart from Jesus, apart from a Messiah who could come and change them, it's hard to imagine how they would, you know, how they would change because greed has such a hold on all of us. It does. And, and it's like I said, it's not even in those situations, people are looking at the bottom line. Like it's so easy to think that the only, the only people that James is warning here are like the evil villain in some kind of movie, you know, Mm -hmm. or Scrooge McDuck, you know, somebody that just that, um, I say, I like that it's Scrooge McDuck and not like (laughs) Scrooge. Ebenezer Scrooge, like Charles Dickens would be so happy to know, uh-huh. that, to know that like it's been co-opted, but like that mentality of like we want to caricature, like make a caricature of that person. Now those people are out there, and yes, ju- God will judge them. But apathy for your neighbor is not a defense for committing injustices or like contributing to injustices. We are held responsible and accountable for what we know. And I think, you know, that was one of the things I I thought about saying was, Hey, some of you are kind of in blissful ignorance. Um, and so if that's you and you want to remain there, like this would be a good time to leave because Mm. you're kind of, kind of, I totally missed that. I know. I said, I wanted to say, Oh, okay. I was like, I didn't miss that. (laughs) I like that you say that because you're like, I would have gotten out of here. I was you know, cause I did, I thought about, man, do you really want to know that? It was a little bit of the matrix kind of a thing of, Once you go down that rabbit hole, there were things that I used to feel comfortable with. Like, for example, I love negotiating. Mm. I really do enjoy it. Like if you need a car bought or something like that, like I love it. And um, I love going to places where negotiating is the norm. Um, But I have been, there have been a couple of situations where in hindsight, like I look back on that and I think I actually took advantage of, I took advantage of the situation for somebody both in other countries where I was like kind of in this American mindset of like a car dealership where, you know, they're, they're not, they're not going to sell it to me unless it's still a good deal for them. And so I'm just trying to get the best deal that I can and whatever. And then I end up in a situation where you realize like, Oh, they sold me that vanilla for that because they literally needed to go get something to eat. And so even though, they lost money on it. They needed it to turn into liquid assets and you're going, Oh, well, that's not like I should have come in those places looking to pay full price for things, you know, or like to be generous. Like what would it look like if I was instead thinking, instead of thinking, how can I get the most stuff possible for my money? How can I be a blessing with this money um, for somebody and, you know, I feel conviction over that, but th- that has changed my, um, my behavior in those situations and my mindset, because it really is a mindset. Because as long as I'm not thinking about their situation, then it is, it's a game. It's like, it's my own, like, man, I'm just being wise. Cause like I can get more with it, but that's not. It's interesting when the, the posture shift from, I want to use this to get as much as I can from you, the, this meaning money. Yeah. To I want to use this to be a blessing to those around me, and yes, I have needs, and those will be met. Um, but it, it to me that's a massive shift going from I get to I want to bless, I want to love and serve, and yeah, I, I think that's that to me is a massive shift, and that's that's what's the kingdom of God is about, right? This overflowing generosity because there isn't a scarcity in the kingdom of God. There isn't. No, so no. We don't have to be trying to get more than what we should get because we don't have to worry about that. Yeah, I mean, imagine being Elon Musk's son or Bill Gates's son, and like you run into you run into Bill Gates's son, and he's um, he's hoarding like you know, I don't know. He's at Subway, and he's just like insisting on you know. Um, I don't know, like taking money from the tip jar or something like that to pay for something or, or hoarding a sandwich and somebody needs something. And he's like, no, you'd just be like, you would think what is wrong with you, man? Like you literally have access to more money than I could ever imagine. But that is the life of the Christian, right? Like we, we are heirs to this kingdom and is our mindset. I know my father, I know he's taking care of me and I know that, 
to be generous in this situation. It's not always like a, like on one hand, it's not like, oh, if I give somebody $20 that I'm going to come home and there's going to be a check in my mailbox for $40, you know, or, or anything like that. Though I've had that happen, like not not the check in the mailbox, but where just randomly somebody gives me something. I know you've had situations yes. where people just randomly give you things. feels random. Mm-hmm. And so it's not necessarily that. At the same time, when the disciples say to Jesus, like, oh, well, we've given up lots. To, we've given up everything to follow you. And Jesus kind of looks at them like, you've given up nothing. Like, there's nothing you've given up that you're not going to get paid back 10 times, 100 times in this age and the age to come. Like, Jesus says that. And so the question is, do we believe him? Or do we think it's just going to be about, um, you know, being frugal? Because that, that's what a lot of times when you read a warning like this, then we can start, that's when we can start to buy into the idea that it's sinful to be wealthy or to make money. And that's not what Jesus says. He says it's really hard to follow him if you have money. Like it's, and that's one of the things that I think we don't always understand that Jesus was the original mo money, mo problems <laughs> guy. <laughs> oh my. Uh, there you go. It's a little nugget for people. Oh. Uh, we but, like fade that in. No, we can't. It's probably copyrighted. <laughs> right. I don't get the podcast canceled. <laughs> You're welcome. But th- I mean, that he th- that's the reality. The warning is it's really hard to be faithful. Well, why would that be? Because when you have a lot of money, it becomes very easy to get fooled into thinking that you are your own provider, that you are taking care of yourself, that you're the reason why you have all that. And it makes you feel way less needy towards God, like way less dependent on God, even though the reality is he blessed you with all of that. So it's actually easier when, like the more we can be dependent on God, the easier it is to follow him. Well, that means that means trials. Like by definition, it means when I see my inability to provide for myself or to control my world, that's when... I, that's when I'm most likely to turn to God. And so when you're wealthy, that is harder. And so that's the warning. But it's not just like, okay, we'll just give up money. There have been ways people have tried to do that, but um, it's not just about being frugal. It's about investing, like not trying to hoard to myself, but to invest in kingdom things and not trying to live in extravagance, but be, you know, let my extravagance be demonstrated in generosity. Yeah. It, it's again, that shift from self to others, from self right. to blessing. And that, that to me is a key. And it's, that's the hard thing though, because it's interesting on even someone could have, could, could read this passage in James and be duped into actually just making it all about themselves. And you can kind of fall in either ditch. You can either ignore it and it's not about me. It's about someone else. Or, um, I just need to think about myself all the time. And there's gotta be some middle ground where, yeah, this is about me. This is about my heart. This is about what I desire and, and what will I do to get what I desire and how much of my energy and thought life and time will it take, you know, to get what I desire. Um, all the while missing out on, on the most you know valuable thing that that's already ours in Christ. I mean, that to me that for a, for a disciple of Jesus, that distraction away from him is at the heart of what's wrong with it. Obviously it harms people when we, when we're greedy, but then we're missing out on, on getting to enjoy him and on bringing him glory through that enjoyment. Yeah. Um, which is just deciding, choosing like what, what's most valuable. Mm-hmm. Like, what's the better thing? Is it this thing that I can buy in extravagance or is it feeling God's good pleasure as I get to be generous towards uh, towards others? And, and like you said, the ditch, it's interesting that if you fall into the ditch of just feeling guilty for having stuff, that is also very self-centered and mm-hmm. self-focused, right? So you... So yeah, that is, that's not the aim. My aim is not like, like I said, to, to have people feeling guilty for every bite of stuffing or turkey, you know, on Thursday, that's not the aim at all. And that's not, that would not be pleasing to God because again, that's, that's just so self-focused and self-justifying. The question is just, what does it look like to be faithful in any given moment? And so, you know, it can be little things like, 
um, so one of the ways that I, one practical way that I confront this idea in, in me is, um, I still love getting a good deal, but then I try, I often try to use that good deal to be a blessing, like to just be a conduit for the blessing. So, so like at a restaurant, you know, I might take the discount, which I mean, first of all, you should always, like, if you have a server, we're talking about like full service, <laughs> Not to, tipping has gotten a little wild. Like I just saw a thing where somebody, where it was just a robot, it was all automated and they asked for a tip and he's like, I'm not tipping the robot, <laughs> like what in the world? Um, but, but we're talking about like, we still, I think in that kind of weirdness about tipping right now, we're forgetting that there are still industries that are very much based on that and have been for a very long time, like eating at a restaurant where you have a server. But like, if you have a coupon, you know, you, it is, it is good etiquette to tip on the, um, the full retail amount of whatever, whatever you would have spent. But then on top of that, like if you saved $10 on your dinner and you tip on the, the, the full price thing and give them a little extra on top of that, like use some of that towards them. Like it's kind of, that's, those are little things that, you know, that try to just think of it's, it's not about like I did get I was in a situation for a while where I literally would feel guilty. I couldn't even buy a coffee because mm. I just thought like this coffee is like a week's wages for a lot of people in the world. But man, that's not my responsibility. I'm not I'm not omniscient. I'm not God. I'm not I, I can't. He has placed me where he has placed me. But at the same time. I don't want to be flippant about any of those things. And I still want to think about like, well, how, how can I be generous? How can I make sure if I buy coffee, like I want to buy it from companies that take care of, of their employees that, that source the coffee, um, ethically, you know, because that's a, that's a thing for a while, because obviously when we're driven by the bottom line, well, what do you think a business is going to do? They're going to try to get the best deal, on coffee beans that they possibly can. Well, when you're a big company, you have a lot of power. You can back people into a corner where they don't really have much of a choice, but to sell you beans at a really crazy low price, because what are they going to do with a bunch of coffee beans? Like if you don't, if they, if you back out of that deal. And so that was one thing that changed. I don't know how many years ago where this kind of got brought to light and, Starbucks and other coffee shops started realizing like, oh yeah, that's, it's kind of poor form for a multi-billion dollar corporation to be nickel and diming a poor Colombian farmer, you know? So they hopefully have kind of stopped doing that. But, but the, like I pointed out on Sunday, the clothing industry is very much coming under fire for that. Um, because there are a lot of companies that are just saying like, ah, you know, I don't know. We just get these materials and don't ask, like, just don't ask where it comes from. Don't ask who made it. All we care about is, can we get it for a lower price? Which then means you have that competitive, you know, competition and people keep driving each other lower and lower, which means worse and worse working conditions for people. And all because I don't want to pay an extra dollar for that shirt. You know, I'd rather pay $4 and $5. Yeah, that that's the, some of the systemic like that's so big. It's, it's not so just big. one person, right? Yeah. Sorry, I just totally overloaded. So, what would you say? Because you're really good about getting it back down to ground level, and I just keep going. Like, every time I try to go at ground level, I just end up going back into like big level. So, like my big thing is just don't be apathetic about it. Be be just be intentional and faithful in your actions. But what would you say? Like, what's your journey looked like when it oh, comes man. to consumerism and? I think I tend to fall into the, I need to find a really good deal mentality in a in overdoing it, you know, like that's not bad to find a good deal, but overdoing right. that. And part of that I think comes from, you know, years of being a fundraising missionary where oh, that yeah. was like, it just kind of became ingrained in me. And, uh, it's interesting how something good, like wanting to be wise can turn into something that grabs your heart. Right. So that's been mine. I, I think, I'm a big proponent of, um, I've really actually re resonated what you said on Sunday about like, so if you, how many pairs of pants do you need? So th that question of, yeah. um, 
Which, by the way, you should probably wash those, Jay. No, you, they tell you. Okay. All right. Read up on we'll it. Talk about that later. Um, Depends on what you're doing. We did yeah. discuss this later after the service. <laughs> I bet Someone you did. brought up. I, I said, if you're a dairy farmer, you definitely should be washing your jeans <laughs> yeah. more often. That's yeah, a little like, different. You know, so, so it does depend on what, what's going on with those genes, but yeah. So I think in two things, one, um, buying fewer, but like higher quality from reputable companies that, you know, um, are conscious, like they have a conscience and they're exercising it and they, they value that. I think that's a really good thing. Um, the clothes will last longer. You can even, some of them even have their own, some of the, the better companies even have their own used sites where they, people can sell back their clothes when they're done and you can buy them. I have bought from some of those sites and got really good stuff that has still lasted me. Um, it does take more energy though. It takes a bit more work to do that. But the other thought I, I had for myself, I tend to be the one with the, um, you mentioned like guilty about buying a coffee. My conscience tends to err in that direction where I am overly introspective about it. And, um, that could be really unhealthy. So for me, the way for me, what helps is if I involve other people in, in those decisions. So like when I'm really feeling to me, it's almost like a torment about it. I will involve Jess, my wife, Jess, or someone in it who can breathe air, like oxygen into that and help me see bigger picture. And then not dismiss the concern. If the person you're going to share that with is just going to dismiss it, that's not what I'm talking about, but someone who would share your concern of wanting to be doing what is right and good with money, involve them in it. I think we're, we can be more in this together than we are. It's a taboo subject, right? Talking with other people about money and spending. But I really think that that's going to be part of the way God frees us and makes this a joyful thing when we don't have to hide, you know, and we can involve each other in it. Right. And that's that's where I think that right there is a really important point that I think we, we all try to, or at least I try to, and I see this a lot of, if I just keep it all in my own head, I can rationalize things. I can make a case for something, whether it's buying a vehicle or a house or a pair of jeans or whatever, I can, I can create and weave whatever story I want to. But the question really is, is like the simple question when it comes to consumerism is, is this a gift from God? If it is, then I need to receive it with a glad and generous heart and be a, a, a conduit for that. And so if it's buying a latte, then receive that latte with a glad and generous heart and you know, throw a dollar into the tip jar tip jar or buy a coffee for somebody else. Or it's not even it's not to like it's it's not penance or anything, or it's just let it be I think if we realize like number one, and that's why I, tr I really tried to hit at this, but it's just so critical that James gives us the tip of this. And, and in Acts, we see it, that the start of a, uh, of a healthy view of all these things is to receive things with gratitude. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you are able to go through your day giving thanks to God for all the things, all the good gifts that he gives you, that will do a couple of things. Number one, it will lower your fear which lowers your desire to hoard, right? So if if I'm constantly, if I look everywhere and I just see gift after gift after gift from God, um, then it would be like, it just, it would lower that fear that, oh, what if I don't have enough? Because you're going to constantly be surrounded by God's generosity, right? So that'll lower that fear, which will lower the instinct to hoard, um, and then the same thing goes with if I'm if I'm giving thanks for gift after gift after gift, it's going to feel extravagant from God. So I'm not going to really want like I'm not going to feel the need to then go and and you know go over the top in some other area because I just feel like man God has been so extravagantly generous to me, which is the story that I shared about the homeless man that I that I met you know in Kansas City that 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 was his life. His life was he received everything with a glad and generous heart. So it just didn't even occur to him that he should hoard that stuff to, to himself because he knew like, and I found out more, I didn't get to tell all this story, but um, he was known for in their little encampment that whenever he would collect money, if people would give him money, he would save it up until he could go to the store and then he would buy vegetables and some potatoes, whatever he make a stew. 
basically he would every few days he would get enough to make a stew and he would make it for everybody and when we talked to him about that his his mindset was like well it's just going to go bad like why would i and you know what sense does it make you can't make stew for one person like his mindset was just like well of course i'm going to you know i'm going to buy an onion and i'm going to buy all the stuff that's going to go into the stew for everybody and um that's the mindset and so whether you make you know a million dollars a year or whether you're living paycheck to paycheck that heart of receiving all things with glad and generous hearts and letting that be a conduit for God's blessing is is yours in Christ it's not dependent on how much money you make it's not dependent on what year vehicle you drive whether it's a newer vehicle or an older vehicle it's like none of that actually matters what matters is is our is our heart and so i think if we start there just giving thanks then a lot of these a lot of these things start to come to light a little bit more yeah it, it it's our heart's posture and enjoyment of god in that you know and everything everything going back to him giving thanks for the simple things that we experience every day all of us can do that and we can do that even in moments of suffering we can do that in moments of deep sadness and yeah, I, I really think too, Jay, that just self-control being a fruit of the spirit would be, it would be an interesting study to do together as a church. But that to me is something that we just aren't very good at. I don't know if that's a blind spot. I think people kind of know that, um, but it, culturally it's just an issue and it has to do with greed. It has to do with other things as well. We just have desires that they end up ruling us and we do not, we do not say no to them. And uh, I think a lot of this ties back into that. Do you think that, like, because I think you're right, for sure. Because, I mean, one, we live in a culture where we don't have to say no. No, much. and we're encouraged that it's really good to not say no. Right. There's something about, you know. I mean, literally anything. It, you don't have to have, just think about how wild this is in, in the history of the world that you and I, either one of us, could go into any store and basically walk out with anything we want, whether we have the money for it or not. Yeah, it's super wild. Like, like just insane. <laughs> credit and loans and everything. Yep. It's it's wild. And um and so we just don't we don't see that. It's because we don't say no and we don't realize that there's actually joy in saying no. Like think about this. Think about if you've ever wanted something and then you ended up buying it, like impulsively bought it. And have you ever bought something that then you regretted? buying that within like sometimes within a day sometimes within a month sometimes the next year but you look at something and you think oh man if i could if i could trade that back in for and get my money back from it i would totally do that then that just shows self-control i have there have been multiple times where i have said no to something and then a day later felt really relieved that yeah. i said no to that yep. right so self-control in that is not like some burden. God's saying like, no, this is actually better because when you buy, when you buy that thing, you're actually taking on stress. And so that's why all that matters is, is this a gift from God or, you know, is it not? And I think we just need to not be afraid of that. And we need to be able to ask others and to people that we trust. And, um, and I think part of that too is telling God, being honest with God about your desires. Like I've shared before about when I really wanted a camper, like I wanted a camping trailer. And, and I remember thinking like, well, someone asked like, well, have you asked God? And I hadn't. Cause I literally thought like, why? Like I didn't know this. I wouldn't have articulated this at the time. But when I really dug into why has this not been a part of my prayer life? Well, it felt selfish. Hmm. I probably, there's a part of me that was afraid of that. God would say no. And so like, I wanted to just think about it like in this fantasy world and maybe like figure out a way that I could justify it. And once I realized I was doing that, I was like, that's gross. And I'm not going to enjoy it then. If I do receive it, I'm not going to enjoy it. If I don't, I'm not going to understand. I'm going to be frustrated. And so I finally like just turned that over to God. And, you know, over the years we've had a couple and then there've been times where we haven't, you know, and um, it just... I think what Paul says to Timothy, I just think is so helpful when he talks about that passage I shared that as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God. Like, so 
right there is don't be like, don't think you got this on your own. Don't be that person who thinks that it's because you are so smart, so talented, so strong, so um, hardworking, so hardworking that this is all from you. Like, so Paul would say, first of all, if you have money, be humble about that and realize, and then, and then also don't put your hope in those, in that money. And what is he talking about? Those are the two, like the fear of not having enough. Like, don't put your hope in that. And the extravagance and the pride and everything that goes with, with extravagant living, don't, don't be that. Um, but realize it all comes from God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. And so that's the, like, so once you realize, think about how twisted we are, that we would think, ah, well, you know, God probably, God probably just wants me to always eat, you know, bean, you know, bread and, you know, or beans and rice and drink water and never enjoy anything. Like, that's not our God. He gives us things to enjoy. And by the way, in case you think like, well, but how can I enjoy this steak when there are people in the world that, you know, eat beans and rice? Now, listen, there's a, there's a level of poverty that we would say once you're able, you have food to eat and water to drink and you have shelter and clothing. This is why when scripture says with these things, you'll, you'll be content because if you get past that, now there are people in the world who don't, they're starving and there are people in the world who don't have access to clean water and there are people who die from exposure and dysentery and those kinds of things. That is that is part of the suffering and the evil of the world that we are hoarding all that. So that's why I pointed out how much food waste we have. Like it's just, it's ir- irrational that anyone would ever starve. But once you're past that and you're thinking about like, well, yeah, but there are people that don't have as much as I have or whatever, and so I'm going to feel guilty about that. Well, if you've ever spent time in villages or in people with people who are in poverty, but are, but have their, those basic needs met and find like, see if they have a lack of joy because they, they don't like, I mean, there, there's blessing after blessing that God gives them. And there's a blessing in simplicity, um, that, that they just enjoy, you know, they enjoy each other. They enjoy the simplicity of what has been given to them. Um, so I think, I think just removing our own like self, self-defense, self-justice, self-guilt, self-shaming, self, like all these things that are just focused on ourselves. And at the end of the day say, okay, all this comes from God. If God gives this to me, I'm going to enjoy it and receive it as a gift from him with thanksgiving, which I know is going to grow in me a, a generous spirit. And um, if it's not something that God has for me, and he's given it to somebody else, I'm going to rejoice with them. And I'm not going to worry about that because my God is extravagantly generous to me. And so I'm, I'm just going to receive whatever he gives me and, and turn that out as again, to be a conduit of a blessing for others. But that takes, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this it's is, easier said than done. It is. And I think it's a spirit like all, in all of what Jay and I both said, whenever it comes to instruction and, it's implied. We want to make sure it's clear. This is something that is a spirit empowered activity. It's a complete or do this independence upon him because in ourselves, we really, we're going to mess this up and make even our attempts to obey him into ourselves about ourselves, which is so sad. Uh, but there is so much joy. I was just thinking your comment about, you know, people being joy, having joy in the simplicity. And that gets at one of the, the false beliefs that, that is attached to this idol, right? That the belief is I need more to be okay. If I get more, I will be happier. That's the false belief. And, and I think that, that, that example you shared is a great counter to that. That's not true. Actually, more stuff will not make us happier and more stuff will not make us content. It doesn't do that. No money, no problems. Yes. Oh, I see what you did there. Should we land this plane, Jay? I guess on that, on that note. Yeah, you're right. Like, more well and that's the the point of like yeah you, you can't have a enough a big enough retirement account that you're going to feel totally secure and you can't buy enough things as we approach black friday and everything that you're not going to be able to buy enough things um which that's another by the way another like quick tip that i used to get really wrapped up in 
I didn't, we didn't go out on Black Friday. Like I usually was not, but I was definitely like a Cyber Monday guy of like, oh, this is the time where I got to find, and I find all the tech deals and want to find because, you know, I'm like, oh, you know what? I could use another hard drive or I could use this or whatever. And a couple of years ago, I realized, holy cow, I am, that is not good for my heart. Like I'm feeling like I'm missing out on things. I feel Mm -hmm. the stress of feeling like, like I was getting to a place where I thought to be a good steward, I had to scavenge all this stuff. And so now what I try to do and what I've done the last couple of years is during the year, whenever I think, oh, I would, I'd like to, I'd like to get that or we could use another one of these. So like if like a hard drive or something like that, or what, whatever the case is, a tent, like I'll just, I'll make a note of it. And then when Black Friday comes around, when all these deals come around, I'll just look at those things and see like, okay, is this the time? Like, and I make a note of what they normally sell for. So like if in July I think, oh, we need to, we could use a tent. But then like, I think, well, we're not going camping again this year. So I don't need it right now. So I'll just make a note of that. And this is what it's selling for on July 12th or whatever. And then, and then it makes it so easy when I get to Black Friday and all of a sudden they're like, you know, 40% off. There have been so many things, by the way, since I've done that, that they'll be like, this is, you know, Black Friday savings, 50% off. And I'm looking at it going, that is literally $3 cheaper than what it was in, during their fall seal sale. It's half a percent off. Fourth of July sale. Like, <laughs> yeah. seriously. I mean, like, I, there's there's one that, like, I used to get suckered into all the time. And uh, it was more around camping gear. And I realized, oh, you have these sales, like, every every quarter. And it's just maybe 28% versus 27% or something like that, but it's all basically the same. So like just that's a fun free tip for anybody. If you feel like you get sucked into the Black Friday and the Cyber Monday type stuff, just keep a journal throughout the year of any time you think, you know what, we could use a spatula. You know, we could use a new we could use a new pan. We could use whatever it is. If you really need it, buy it in July because most of the time, like it's not that big of a difference. But if you don't, you're like, I don't need it right now. I'm just going to make a note of that. And then when this comes up, you can still get the satisfaction of being like, oh, look at this. I saved $10 on that. And, you know, it's something. So there you go. There's a little tip. But otherwise, like, we just want to be able to help each other in this. The big thing is let's not, like, I don't want to be afraid of of seeking these things. And God is extravagantly generous with us. So let's give him thanks and help each other do that. Rejoice with each other as we receive good gifts from him. Um and and not because he doesn't he doesn't want us to have a spirit of fear he doesn't want us to have a spirit of shame um but we want to consider our neighbor and 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 just continue to consider what does it look like to live as a part of the kingdom together we want to help you do that you can email us at uh, connect at faith com uh, or talk to us on a sunday we would love to visit with you about how what this looks like in your life we hope this has been helpful Thanks for listening. Till next time, grace and peace and happy Thanksgiving.